In our plan to read through the Bible in chronological order, in addition to the historical readings each day, we read either a psalm or a chapter of Proverbs. Hi, I'm Yvonne Pran with Bible 805, where you learn to know, trust, and apply the Bible. Why we're doing that and how it will benefit you is the topic of our lesson today entitled, Why Psalms and Proverbs are a Daily Part of Our Chronological Order Bible Reading. On the Bible 805 schedule, we're going through the Bible in chronological order. And you'll notice each day with the longer passage is a psalm or a chapter in Proverbs. I'd like to take a few minutes to explain why we're doing this. I'll first explain how we're organizing the books of history and the prophets, and then why these books, Psalms and Proverbs, are different and put where they are. Now, reading the Bible as a whole, in chronological order, is the priority of what we're doing this year. And one of the main reasons is so we can read the messages in the prophets in the setting, the history, in which they gave their message. Now, some of the messages from the prophets are already in the historical books themselves, such as in First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings. One example of this is a story of when Elijah confronts Ahab for stealing the vineyard of a farmer simply because he had the power to do it. Well, God did not like that, but you'll have to read the story in the Bible to find out what all happened. Now, when the great prophets, Samuel, Elijah, and Elisha, delivered their messages, they were included in the written history of the kings at that time. Now, in addition to these men, lesser-known prophets such as Shemaniah, who declared judgment on Rehoboam, Solomon's son, and unnamed individuals, such as one described only as a, quote, man of God, unquote, were also included when they spoke. In summary, we don't have separate books by these earlier prophets. Something changed after that in that the books of history after about 760 B.C. no longer contain the entire messages of the prophets, though they are sometimes quoted and mentioned. Maybe it's because their messages were longer, more complex, often to the nation as a whole as opposed to just to individuals. We aren't sure of the specific reasons, but the prophets began writing their messages in collections that became separate books. Instead of putting the entire message of the prophets as they took place with the written history in what the Hebrew scribes called the former prophets, this is how they did it in the earlier books, the Hebrew scribes now placed these books of the prophets' messages only in a separate group apart from their history that they called the later prophets. Later translators of the Bible then followed their pattern. In the Septuagint, the early Greek translation of the Old Testament, the Vulgate, which was the early Christian Latin translation of the entire Bible, and in our Bibles today, all of these writings of the prophets are grouped together at the end of the Old Testament, and they're organized by the size of the books, the major prophets meaning larger ones, minor meetings meaning smaller, and they're not in any historical order at all. Our reading plan, though, puts the messages of the prophets back with the history that prompted them, 
starting with, interestingly enough, Jonah and then Amos and Hosea. Now, to help you keep track of the messages of the prophets with the history that prompted them, I have a chart. Now, we'll be reading through the whole Bible and doing this all in order, but for those of you that appreciate, and really all of us do, a bird's eye view of the whole thing, I have a chart that I created, a timeline of the prophets that's available on www.bible805.com. Right on the home page, I have a picture of this chart. You can just click and download it. And it's interestingly enough, after I did it, it has become the most popular download on my website. Dozens of people every day um, download it, and I don't know how they find it, but they do. And uh, well, thanks to Google, I'm sure. But uh, they download it and have found it useful, and I think you will also. But that's the overview. Let's just continue. In summary, this is how our reading plan works out. It puts the messages of the prophets back into the flow of history that prompted their message. The first prophet we'll read about in this way is Jonah. Now, many know the story of how he was swallowed by a big fish, but in 2 Kings 14, when Jeroboam II was king in Israel, we learn his backstory there, and it's really quite interesting. He was a prophet in Israel with a popular message that that God gave him that God was going to conquer Israel's oppressors, and that happened. He gave this message. They did it, and we assume he was probably a very popular guy at that time. But after that success, God calls him to go speak to Israel's greatest enemy, Assyria. And we know the story of the whale follows. Jonah did not want to go there. He did not want those people converted. He goes in the exact opposite direction. And then God had to do some pretty dramatic things to get him to finish his task. Jonah, again, has great success with his preaching. And the entire city repents. But instead of thanking God, instead of staying around to teach the people about Jehovah and potentially, and I'm just, you know, just thinking, fantasizing, whatever here, this is not biblical at all, but it's really sad. Instead of potentially changing the entire course of the following years of Assyrian bloodshed and all the horrible things they did later, their um, short revival didn't last because nobody stood stuck around to teach him anything. Jehovah stomps out of town. He's mad at God for his mercy. And we don't hear any more about him. Jonah may have given up on God and people, but God never gives up on his people. And soon after that, he sends another prophet to Israel, which we read about next, which is Amos. And so it goes as we continue through the Old Testament, reading in the order of the history, and we read then about the prophets who spoke at the various times. We will learn so much, and you'll get so much out of putting the prophets in their specific place. But there are two books in the Bible that don't fit into one historical place with either their history or their messages, and those two books are Psalms and Proverbs. Following are the characteristics that make Psalms and Proverbs different than other books. Neither one has an overall historical narrative a main character, or a plot line. They're compilations of writings. They're written by a variety of authors over a long period of time. Now with Psalms, David wrote the most of them, 73 of them, out of 150, and other writers included Moses, the sons of Korah, and many others that are anonymous. 
Proverbs were primarily collected by Solomon. He didn't write them all. He collected them, and later others added to his collection. Now, we don't need to read the whole book of Psalms or Proverbs to benefit from them. It does damage the integrity of other books if you don't read them as a whole. Much distortion and misinterpretation is done when a passage is pulled out of context. And of course, Jeremiah 29:11 is a great example of this. That verse is very familiar to many, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper and not to harm you, to give you a hope in a future. This was written to Babylonian exiles, and you can simply pull it out of its historical context and claim that God promises unconditionally to everyone what he wrote, in fact, to a specific people at a specific time. However, having said that, his pattern of love and mercy does transcend times, but you can't just automatically grab it and and apply it. In contrast, it does not damage the entire book of Psalms to pull out a psalm and read it. You don't have to read all of Psalms to be comforted by Psalm 23 and its message that the Lord is my shepherd. And all of the things that Psalms, that wonderful psalm promises us, we can read it all and benefit from it, even if we don't read all 150 other psalms. In the same way, you don't have to read all of Proverbs to learn from individual Proverbs. You don't even have to read whole chapters because they're short little sayings. Here's one of them, Proverbs 10.4. Lazy hands make for poverty, diligent hands bring wealth. Proverbs 10.8. The wise in heart accept commands, but a chattering fool comes to ruin. In addition to not being part of exact history, here's another reason why I have you reading Psalms and Proverbs each day. We all need a GPS for our lives, a global positioning system, a guidance system. We desperately need guides for how to live and what to do. Our current world, the media, the accepted bad behavior in the public realm, not to mention current advances in artificial intelligence, all these things that are supposed to guide us on how to live, these guidance systems are as bad as MapQuest was in the early days. Some of you remember that when MapQuest first came out and you'd get directions and it'd lead you to dead ends. That happened to my husband and I on several times that we used it. Of course, um, all of the directions have gotten better now, but we have gotten faulty guidance systems in the past and our world continues to give us faulty guidance systems. We need more than that. Psalms and Proverbs can provide us with the needed GPS, the needed guidance system that we desperately, desperately want for our lives. I have two overview lessons of each book that will go over them in more detail and that you can learn from. Please check them out. The one on Psalms is entitled How to Walk with Jesus in Every Part of Life, and the one in Proverbs, a reliable GPS for a disciple of Jesus. In addition to the overall guidance they provide, sometimes the daily readings, especially in the Old Testament, can be a bit difficult to get through. I'm talking about Leviticus and Numbers and some of these other things. Sometimes it's a little bit tough, or some of the prophets can get a little bit kind of depressing reading them. And some of these things can seem unrelated to practical life. Now, they're all really, really important. And 
it's important to read through all of them to see the entire plan of God. I'm not saying this for you to get out of reading the hard parts, but another reason that I put either a psalm or a book of Proverbs in every single day is to give you practical reasons to pray, praise, to adjust your life, and to praise God. These verses that I'm going to share with you in just a minute sum up their value really well. In Psalm what, Psalm 19, verses 7 and 8, it says, The revelation of God is whole and pulls our lives together. The signposts of God are clear and point out the right road. The life maps of God are right, showing the way to joy. Do your Bible reading each day ending with a psalm or a chapter of Proverbs to live wisely and joyfully the way God intends you to live. In closing, please go to www.bible805.com for the free ebook, the schedules, podcast, videos, commentary as we go through the Bible in chronological order in the coming year. Also sign up for the newsletter. You'll get notification of each new lesson, each new resource, and how to download it, learn from it, and truly live a joyful and wise life. I'm Yvonne Pran from Bible 805.